Digital 410 Productions proudly presents the Fail to Fail podcast with your host, Don Abernathy. What's going on, everybody? Happy New Year. Happy 2022. Had this song in my head all day long. <laughs> this is a Culture Wall's remake of Johnny Boy's Bones. It's a Civil War song. It has nothing to do with running, but does it? And whoops, I went too far. We have a return guest for 2022. I'm excited to have him on here once again. <coughs> He's, he himself has been training. Welcome back to the show, Robert Hale. Robert, how you doing, friend? I'm doing good, Don. How you doing, man? Good. Are you familiar with Culture Wall at all? No. You watch Definitely your, not. You watch the show Yellowstone at all? Nope, not at all. I say, if you watch Yellowstone, you're familiar with Culture Wall, but uh, to give myself credit where credit is due, I've been listening longer than... Longer than our friends over at Yellowstone was promoting them. But the reason I play that, and maybe this would be an interesting way to kick off, um, I'm always interested in, and I think we may have discussed this last time on the Fail to Fail podcast. And by the way, for those of you on the Digital 410 Network, the Fail to Fail podcast, we haven't put out a show in a long time, but I'm happy to say we are the first podcast I've recorded in 2022. I've actually taken two weeks off from the What's the Scuttlebutt and the What's, the Head pod- What's in Your Head podcast. So, Robert, you are the first guest on the Digital 410 Network in 2022, so welcome back. But uh, the reason I bring up Culture Wall is uh, when you're running. Now, you and I, we're old, we're old cats, right? <laughs> we're old. We're uh, fighting old man problems. And I think you and I can both acknowledge the fact that we will never run faster. So at this point in our age, we got to work on running further. <laughs> Would you agree with that? Well, I mean, uh, I mean, I'm definitely running further. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm still trying to run faster. I mean, I'm not trying. I'm not going to be like a five minute mile guy, but I'm yeah, still but trying to get there. You're not going to match the personal best that you were putting out four years ago, right? Unless, Actually, unless uh, you weren't as fit as you are now. Oh, I definitely wasn't as fit as I am now. Because I'm like I'm struggling. Um. Before the show tonight, I actually went downtown. My daughter had her first time at a youth group, so I dropped her off, and I went downtown Fort Myers, and I did four and a half miles, which, okay, that's great. Doesn't sound too much, but that includes the Edison Bridge, which, if you run the entire Edison Bridge, it's a mile long, but it's also high as hell. Um, I'm looking at my stats now. I ran 4.33 miles, 11.52 pace, which isn't fast. But it's the first long distance I've ran in a while, and I'll get to that momentarily. But that also includes an elevation of 131 feet. And so running up that bridge uh, both ways, I got over the bridge. I'm like, I'm going to run an extra mile, and that'll get me at three miles so that when I turn around, I'm, I'm obligated, right? You got to run three miles back to where you started. So that would give me a 10K. I got over the bridge and ran at like a quarter of a mile. I said, I, I can't. I, <laughs> one, I'm wearing new shoes. And two, this is the furth- first time I ran downtown in the bridge in like a year and a half. I've been running my neighborhood for like the last year and a half, which is completely flat. So I just, I, I went back, but for the first time, I actually bombed the downside of the, the bridge coming back. <laughs> you ever tried to bomb a downhill? Uh, yeah, I, I actually did recently. It's not fun. Actually, I enjoyed it because it's the first time I, you know, I've run down that bridge fast, but I've been watching these over the last two years since COVID. I've been YouTube, um, give credit where credit's due. I'm an OCR guy. Spartan and Savage Race have been, um, they've been broadcasting their elite, their elite guys, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can see uh, all their elites, Lindsay Webster, her husband, um, which I don't know why he, he slipped me at the moment. I'm falling on Strava, but 
I'm, I'm coming off a four-mile run. But I'm watching these guys. They bomb the downhill, and they got their hands kind of weird, and they're just going. And you realize, oh, they're, they're just giving it to gravity. <laughs> their, their job is to, to maintain balance and let gravity maintain their speed, right? And so I've run down this bridge before, but tonight I actually did the whole crazy hands, and I just bombed it. Luckily, people got out of my way. Sadly, it's not my PR, but that's the first time I've actually bombed the downhill in a long time, and I actually had fun with it. And you know what? Sometimes you just have to let it go. So give us a, a, a catch up. I know you were doing a lot of running, a lot of training. Uh, you've got great training videos on your YouTube channel, which we'll plug here at the end of the show. Um, what was your goals for last year and did you meet them? Let's see. Last year, I think last time I was on, I was just starting or getting ready to start training for a half marathon going for a PR. Um, what would your PR be on a half marathon? Well, before I started training, it was like 201. It was actually 201 flat. And then I trained, and in April, I ran a half marathon instead of 156 PR. Nice. Um, so then the goal shifted to my first standalone marathon in October. The goal was four hours, and I was nowhere near that. I was, I was like five and a half. Like I was, I was dying. Um, the def apparently Nashville's definition of rolling hills and Florida's oh, definition. Oh, you ran Nashville. Well, see, you're sleeping on that. You didn't tell us yeah. you, you ran out of state. For those of you guys listening at home, we're in flat ass Florida. Now you live a little further north in flat ass Florida than I do. Therefore, you have people don't realize this because when they see videos of Florida, they're seeing Miami, <coughs> they're seeing Tampa, they're seeing Key West, Orlando. As you drive north, you're getting closer to Georgia, and so you actually get more hills. But there's still nothing compared to a Tennessee. So even if you're like running around up in the Orlando area or even may go up a little further to like, uh, oh, crap, I'm blanking out because my runner's brain. But you go up and run those areas, you'll get some hills, but nothing like Tennessee. Yeah, the, the hills in Tennessee and, and, and this marathon it was a small marathon. It's probably the I actually didn't even expect it to, it to be this small. There was probably, I think, 50 people that ran the marathon. It was so there were there were times on the on the course I literally thought I was the only one running. Um, That's kind of rough on a long distance run. Oh, it sucks. For those of you who've and we talked about this in the past. For those of you who've never run five um, k, a ten k, you're out. You know, you're out running the streets, you're pounding in the neighborhood. Every once in a while, you may find a run group, but the first time you run a five k, a ten k, whatever it may be, <clears throat> that pack instinct you you don't know anything about it. But all of a sudden, the pack instinct kicked in. Your body automatically matches the pace of the slowest people in your mind. Your, your profile, oh, I, I can run faster than that cat. Um, probably not that cat up there, but I want to try to stay. And so your body instinctively tries to make your way in the pack. And you can obviously trail people and run behind them. They break the wind. But when you get out there and you're by yourself, it really kills the motivation. You're just like, Where, what, what happened? Yeah, and uh, I 100% agree. Um, so th this, this marathon I was on, so we started at the, the start line and like the first thing you do, you get a hundred, hundred yards in and it drops into a downhill. So you're like, well, wow. this is going to suck, but it was probably the most amazing scenery. Cause it was just a running path. That's all it was. It was 26 miles of a running path through like some park along, along multiple rivers and stuff. So there was no vehicles, no traffic, nothing beautiful, but the first six, first six miles or first, first half marathon. So first 13 miles mm -hmm. was all hills it was up and down up and down and you're running through like a golf course but there was one hill six miles in that was a it was a quarter mile hill but it was like 500 feet up 
It was like that your elevation gain happened there and your quads are, are destroyed at this point. You're half, you know, you're only a quarter way through the race. Um, the second half was flat, but then you knew you had to turn around and come back to the hills. Um, but yeah, that was, that one was brutal. What was your half uh, marathon time? Uh, I think for that. Are you that on athletes? One, are you on athletes at all? Yes. I can pull it up. Cause I'm looking at my athletes right now. Keep talking. I'll yeah. pull it up. Yeah, my again, my best half marathon is one fifty six and change. That half marathon, I don't. Uh, let me. I'm. I can pull up my Garmin stats because I still have it. Um, well, the reason I, I ask to, is because um, there's a bunch of unclaimed results under your name. But anyhow, the reason I ask is what was it? Um, March fifteenth, twenty twenty. I had a savage race scheduled, and I had been training hard. I was like, okay, I want to. I had all these goals, and they canceled it because of COVID, right? Right. And so I'm like, damn it. I've been, I, I mean, I was diehard, you know, you followed me on Instagram and I've, and I've kind of slacked off lately, which we'll get to. But at that time, 2020, I was training hard and I was like, well, I want to do something this week. And so I got to looking around and believe it or not, they had the Marco Island marathon 5k, which was put on by the Lee County medical physicians group or some shit. Some doctors group I'm like, well, if some doctors group sponsoring this run in the middle of COVID, clearly it's all right. And so I signed up for it. Never trained for a half marathon. Uh, my savage races are seven miles. In the past, um, I have ran 14, 12 miles just on a whim. You know, and it's so weird. Like you train a lot, and then one day you're out running, and you just feel like a stallion. You you leave your house with the intent of running five, six miles, and next thing you know, you're running twelve. And so I had a few of those. So I signed up for this. No idea the course map. No, I, I just signed up for like on a Thursday, and the thing was Saturday. My time, believe it or not, for this half marathon was 206.33 for my first half marathon, and I, which is slow, but I, main, I maintained a 940 pace. And kind of like you were saying, now this is Marco Island, and as the name implies, Island. As soon as this marathon started, we had to run over two bridges, front and back, and I never knew that Marco Island had hills. People jokingly told me, oh, well, those are Indian burial grounds. This, these neighborhoods had hills. And I was struggling, but I, I finished it and ran a 940 pace, which isn't, wasn't bad for a 42-year-old dude doing his first half marathon. No, that's not bad at all. Let's uh, see. I was 92 out of 201 people, and considering I didn't train for it, I was 59 out of 102 males, and uh, age tw- um, I was 12 in my age group. There's only 17 of us, but uh, yeah. And so uh, I've uh, are you familiar with the Berkeley Marathon or the Barkley Marathon? No, you got to <laughs> do yourself a favor. Maybe one day when you're sitting in an ice tub or you're, or you're chilling, Google or go on YouTube and look for Barkley Marathon. It's a marathon in the hills of Tennessee, and it's basically around the prison. I think that, um, oh, crap, some prisoners escaped from, right? And they were up in the woods for four days. And so this is like 1978. And so these two guys who were long-distance runners and ultra runners, like, I wonder what it'd be like to try to run from the cops out there. And so they created a 500 mile run out in Tennessee. It's called the Barkley marathon. You cannot sign up through the internet. You, there's no official sign up group. Only way you can sign up is you have to know somebody who knows the way and you have to submit a letter of why you should be eligible to join this marathon. And they only usually let about 15 to 20 people run. The registration fee is $1 and a license plate. <laughs> And sometimes okay. you got to bring a guy flannel. Um, it's kind of like the anti ultra marathon. The, you don't know what time the start time is. 
So you, let's say, Robert, you signed up, you want to join. They send you a letter of condolences saying, sorry, you've been accepted. You're going to have to run this thing because it's through the woods. Um, it's all compass. There's no pre-run map. So, so let's just go through this. You, you got accepted. They said, okay, Robert, be here Friday by 3. Um, the race will start somewhere between Friday at 10 p.m. and Saturday at 3 p.m. <laughs> so you have no idea. So you get there. You're in a tent. It's the wintertime. It's cold. People are coming all over from around the world. About four hours, they put out a, a, a course map. And it's your job to copy it. <laughs> they don't give you one. You have to copy the map. You have a compass, not allowed to use in GPS. You can have your, your teams there. So it, basically, it's loops. I forget. It's like, I think they're loops that are marathon 24 miles, maybe 25 miles each. And you got to run five loops or whatever, whatever the math is. Just go on YouTube. This thing will blow your mind. Since 1978, there's only been 15 people who finished it. Yeah, I'm good, man. You, you <laughs> lost me at orienteering. But no, it's just. I'm not saying to run it, but just to watch it and see how oh, hard, I might, I, I might hard, check out the documentary. Hardcore these guys are. It's insane what these guys go through. They're running through briars and all this stuff, and it's the world's craziest <coughs> marathon. And I don't even know. For some reason, I got on this weird kick. I've been watching marathon, ultra marathon videos, uh, fastest known times, where guys are like running fastest no time on the uh, Appalachian trails and the Colorado trails. That stuff is insane, and the amount of work and teams required to run those sort of ultra marathons are nuts. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. 26 on foot is the farthest I'm willing to go. Well, see, that's why I want to kind of talk to you about – I want to talk about goals for 2022. Um, you, are you going to try to do an Ironman this year? I've got two on the schedule. Nice. Where and when? All right, so the first one, this is what I'm currently training for, is May 7th. And you're going to laugh at the, at the location, but it's in St. St. George, Utah. Wow. So not only are you running, but you got to get on a plane. I got to get on a plane. It's in, I think the starting elevation is at like 2,500 feet compared to my 32 feet here. Uh, and it's a Ironman. 32 so feet. 140.6 miles. And I think the bike course has about 5,800 feet of elevation gain on it. Um, and let's just make this even better. I signed up for the race back in May. Mm -hmm. It was the North American championship. So I was able to sign up for it. It wasn't like the qualify only race because of COVID and what we're going through now, Hawaii was, it had to, would have had to cancel the Ironman world championship again this year. So they postponed it till February, 2022, and they had to postpone it again. So instead of postponing it in Hawaii, they said, well, we're going to make St. George, Utah, the current 2021 world championship race. Wow. And if you're registered already, we're going to let you race it. If you want to stay now, could you imagine training for the other one before they moved it? So you're Hawaii? Looking, yeah. You're looking at course. You know, you're thinking about the temperature and all that stuff. And like, if let's say you're like a pro athlete, right? You're like a Ryan Atkins or Lindsey Webster who does OCR all the time. They got running. And so a lot of these hardcore cats and you would know better than I, but you kind of try to set your training runs similar to what you're going to be running. And now all of a sudden they move it to a whole new location. You're like, oh, damn it. I mean, luckily they moved it in enough time. Yeah. So they, they moved it. I think they announced it back in like June or July that it was going to be, 
the world championship race. So all the pros that are training for it, everybody that's signed up for it, we've had plenty of time to mentally wrap our minds around the fact that we're racing the world championship race. The pros, most of them have already been there. They train for whatever race, you know, whatever. The only thing they have to do is they might have to train in Colorado, vice Arizona to get, you know, the, the, the elevation. But I mean, now you're at a weird spot because Colorado doesn't have the same heat that St. George is going to have, but Arizona does, but Arizona doesn't have the same elevation that Colorado would have. So it's like, it's a really weird dynamic. And here I am a Florida boy, you know, in the flattest of flat areas training for the Hills and of St. George, Utah. Um, yeah. Not only that, but as somebody who runs in Florida, you know, um, environment is a tremendous difference because, um, on a super humid day in the middle of August in Florida, as crazy it might sound, you'll be running and you feel like you're running through a fishnet. That humidity is so thick. Oh, God. And you, just, you literally feel like there's hands pulling you back. And so, luckily, they moved it to a drier place that doesn't have that sort of humidity. But now you got to compete with that hot ass heat. Right. And like when I trained for the half marathon, I was running sub nine miles for seven, 10 miles. Nice. When I trained for the marathon over the summer, I couldn't break 930. Like I couldn't run. I, I don't think, I think the longest run I did was seven thirty, seven and a half miles. And I couldn't get faster than like nine thirty, ten 10 minute miles. And it was, the humidity was killer. But like you said, I won't have to deal with the humidity, but I have to deal with the heat. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, you have the, you have the hell, elevation, the heat all at once. And I'm not going to have enough time to properly acclimate myself. Cause you know, I still have to work. And well, I that, that was going to be my next question. You're not a professional runner. Now you're, right. now you're flying. So you don't have the ability to say, or maybe you do, maybe a pocketed a week's worth of vacation, but you don't have, I doubt you're going to go out there a week in advance and spend a week where the hotel rooms or Airbnb. So how much time are you going to give yourself to acclimate to that altitude? Are you showing up the day before Are you going to give yourself at no. least a day, two days? So based on tradition and history with Ironman races, you have to check in two days before the race starts. So if the the race is on a Saturday, I'll have to, I, I, at, at a, at the earliest, I got to be there by Thursday. I'm planning to get out there like Tuesday. Um, you know, that's the best I got because I do have, you know, family obligations and work and stuff like that. So luckily I work remote mm-hmm. so I can bring my laptop with me and, you know, knock out some hours while I'm there. I don't have like, it's not like I have a book schedule out in, in Utah where I, you know, where I have to do, you know, I'm not a pro. I don't have to do media appearances and sponsorship do things. I can literally sit at the Airbnb because I'm rooming with like two or three other people. We're all splitting the cost. So it's cost effective. Um, and I can just stay there, do what I have to do. And then, you know, get ready to race, fly home. I don't know if I'm going to fly home Sunday or Monday, but I'm giving myself essentially four days to acclimate, which is probably not enough time. Yeah. But, but it is it's the best I got as a, as a regular athlete. And I mean, I can tell you, uh, the hardest thing about not the hardest things, but one of the crazier things is you're training, you're training. You say, okay, I'm going to go get the hotel room or the Airbnb or whatever. I'm going to try to get at least eight, nine hours of sleep beforehand. And you just sit in that bed and you're staring at the wall. It's not your bed. There's little inconsistencies and it's so hard to get sleep the night before a race when you're not staying at your home. I don't think I've ever slept, slept well before a race. No, the, Two savage races ago, I got the idea, hey, let's turn this into a family event. It's up in, you know, uh, Dade City, Ohio, not Dade City, Dade City, Florida. 
I got a toy hauler camper, so let's grab the wife, let's grab the kid, we'll get a camp spot, we'll camp out the night before, I'll go get up and run the race in the morning. I don't take spectators to those because they're really not spectator friendly. You're basically taking someone to pay 25 bucks to sit around and have vendors try to sell them crap. Uh, the courses really aren't set up for vendors. So after the first Savage Race, actually the second Savage Race I ever did, I stopped taking people, forcing them to sit there and wait on me. I just go run alone. Kind of sucks when you come across the finish line no one's there. But right. at least you're not making someone sit there for two hours listening to bad techno music and having people try to give them you know, all, the sales pitch on everything. But what I was getting at is we got this really bad camp spot. They put us, it wasn't even a campground. It was basically like a preview of what your life would be if you want to retire and live in a senior village. I mean, everybody there was 60, their permanent residents, their house. We were basically in a little alley. I couldn't even put the canopy out of my camper because whoever drove by would drive through it. We're, it was, it was almost like we were set up in an alley behind a Chinese restaurant. It was that bad. So I got like nice. no sleep that day. But now I'm at the race and I'm running in the back of my mind. I'm thinking, my kid and my wife are sitting in a camper. There's nothing to do. There's not even a patch of grass. The dog's there. There's no fire ring. There's nothing for them to do. And so now in my mind, it's like, I got to get this race done so I can go rescue them when we can go home. And so instead of trying obstacles that I suffered through and fell off, I just tried everything once and ran and kind of half-assed it just so I could go rescue them and take them back home. So sometimes it's almost better to do that sort of stuff alone so that your mind's clear. You're not worried about whoever you brought unless that person's committed and they get the game. Yeah. The first Ironman I did in 2016, I actually went there alone and I was like, yeah, I'll be fine. Don't worry about it. It's, it's, it's just a race. You know, you've been to every other race, you know, mm -hmm. my wife and my oldest daughter have been to every race I've done other than that. And I went there and like you said, crossing the finish line after I, at that point, it was a shortened race. It was only 11 hours. I got to cross only the finish 11, line 11 hours. Yeah. I got done with 11 hours and there was nobody there. Yeah. Like my, like no, nobody for me to celebrate with. So I was like, Oh, that, that, that hurt. When I did my, for the Ironman Florida in 2019, my wife, my oldest were there. And I didn't, I don't really, I've never been a spectator up to that point. I'd never really gone to a race just to kind of see what happens. I went to Ironman Florida this year to support some friends. I wasn't racing. It was, you know, ice cold, but that's besides the point. Um, I went there to support some friends and I got there. Like I got to Panama city at like five o'clock in the morning. Uh, you know, the race started, whatever. I got to watch the pros get out of the water, you know, saw some of my friends, you know, getting ready to get in the water. And then it's like, okay, cool. I have an hour and 10 minutes till they're done with the swim. And then they go on a six hour bike. What am I doing for seven hours? Staring at the you vendor's know? tent. Right. So I'm walking around. I'm like, all right, well, I, you know, let me go to the gym. I, you know, left town and went to the gym for an hour and a half to go run. I came back, you know, I'm like looking for people. I'm watching this. I'm going out to eat, you know, taking my time. And it was just like, I race, you know, I, I'm not, my, my best race is only like 14 and a half hours. What do you do for 14 hours as a, as a supporter of someone like that? And you just like, you sit there. It's like going to a, a a festival concert where the opening act never hits the stage. <laughs> yeah. And you're sitting there waiting. So I'm like, I feel really bad for my wife and, and daughter. Cause what are they doing for, like, luckily they can, they have a car, they can go, you know, they're, they're older. They can get up and go somewhere. Like my wife's coming to Utah with me and you know, we'll have a couple other friends with us. But she can go drive and go take a nap. And well, go when you have 11 hour races, aren't there checkpoints they could drive to and kind of, you know, Hey, what's up as you're coming they, through the aid station and drinking at least. 
with the bike i mean they can there are if you know the course map you can you can drive and like meet up to you know find out where they are the run is usually a little bit more spectator friendly because you have a lot of people on it's not just like a point to point type thing so the run they'll usually sit there and wait for me but again you know during the marathon at the end of an ironman i'm not running seven minute eight minute miles i'm running 12 13 minute miles so i'm a lot slower but so, so half marathon is like two and a half, three hours. And then you got to do that twice. So it's like, what are you doing for six hours while I run? Just to like, say hi to me, you know, twice, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So like, I felt really bad, but you know, luckily only my wife is coming to Utah and again, she can go and take a nap at the, at the room or you know, go shopping or sure. do whatever. Sightseeing. Utah's beautiful. Um, yeah. It's, it, I, that's, I'm glad I'm going out there. You know, the vlog is going to be awesome. You know, speaking of crossing the finish line and people being there, um, if you never run a half marathon or a marathon or Ironman, ultra marathon, whatever, um, you, if you watch it on TV, you see all these people stand around cheering and yelling and, you know, kind of like, what the hell are they doing? Believe it or not, <laughs> when you're eight miles in and you just came off of like a bridge or through a neighborhood <coughs> that no one's at and you come around that corner and there's eight, 10 people there just cheering you on, it does help. Cause at that point, it is all mental. Your body, oh, absolutely. Your body is in, I mean, essentially for me, it's, I think it's different for everybody miles wise, but I found for me around mile eight is when my brain disconnects. My body goes into maintain this pace. You set the uh, cruise control and your body's just, your mind, you start processing thoughts, you start looking around and you don't think about your run for at least me. And, and it's so weird how that happens, that disconnect. I guess that's that runner's high people talk about. And so at some point your body's just, you couldn't stop running if you wanted to. <laughs> I become the best, worst mathematician ever mm-hmm. because you start calculating, okay, I'm this far in. If I maintain this pace, I can get to this point here. And like, you just start mathing how you, how fast you can go when you're going to finish. But, you know, I've done marathon. I've done a marathon. I've done half marathons. You know, the finish line is great. The finish line at an Ironman though, you get a quarter mile of spectators just cheering and they will watch go on Ironman's youtube page and watch any race day video from any year you will see even the last they say the last hour is the best hour of the race from 11 p.m to midnight now the races usually start at like 6 30 6 6 30 in the morning so between 11 p.m and midnight you still have hundreds of spectators when i did the marathon i took five and a half hours and i understand it wasn't a big spectator spectator event there was like four people at the finish line. And that was cool. Cause I got, you know, you got people clapping and whatever, mm-hmm. but when you hit that run, that, that carpet that Ironman uses for their finisher shoot, that last hundred yards and you have hundreds of people still cheering and the music blasting and they're the announcer still announcing and the lights are still there. You feel nothing. You are essentially floating for a hundred yards until you get to that finish line. And then every bit of emotion. And I actually talked about that, um, that experience in, in the, the latest vlog series on the first episode, you just feel, you feel no pain, you know, whatever was hurting a mile ago, it, it doesn't hurt anymore. And of course it, it, the pain comes back when, you know, once the adrenaline calms down, but the finish line in Ironman is something I've never experienced. And I, I, I never want to, I always want to experience it. Like, I don't ever want to like get away from that. Yeah. There's a great TikTok that's going around. Um, I don't know if it was a marathon, an ultra marathon, but basically guy was in the lead. He was in that autopilot brain disconnect. 
And at some reason, at the end of the race, they had a hard left hand turn to get to the finish line. This guy ran straight and he, Mm -hmm. he was in that autopilot. He ran right into the pole, right into the barricade. And the guy who was in second place hung the turn, saw that he hit the pole and slowed down his pace and let the guy come back and finish first. And then when they asked him why he did it, he said, because he was in front of me the entire race. He deserves it. And it's like, that is effing beautiful. The fact that he could easily just stole first place, but he knew that that guy was hurting, burned so many calories. He was in that disconnect mode and he, his body just didn't hang that left turn in time. And he actually slowed down and let the guy catch up and, and finish in first. And that's, yeah, I remember watching awesome. that one. Yeah. I don't know if I would have had the, <laughs> Me neither. I'm, not that that. Good of like, I'm, <laughs> I'm not that good of a guy either oh i will say that is one of the cool things about running and that type of uh, activities everybody there is so damn friendly obviously every sport has their asshole but uh, by and large even if you're just out running on the street and you run past another group everybody's just throwing up fingers saying hey what's up you got this mm-hmm. you're running in a bad you know a tough over bridge or through a hard neighborhood and you're struggling someone run by hey you got this come on and just people you don't even know, just giving you a pat on the back, you know, not physically, but sometimes physically, but just verbally. Hey, come on, you got this. And and that's one of my favorite things about running. Oh, uh, yeah. the At the marathon, um, I was, you know, I did the first half marathon fine. I was still good. Uh, I started hitting that wall at like 13 or 14 miles. And like, it was what it was. I ended up at like around mile 15, I hit a crossroad and there was another dude there. We were both kind of at the early stages of hurting. So we ran nine miles together yeah. and then like the, it was like the last two last mile and a half or two miles. He was like, Hey man, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and just, you know, whatever, but I'll see you at the finish line. I didn't expect to see him at the finish line. He was the only, he was one of the four people there waiting for That's me awesome. at the finish line just to make sure that I finished. And then he and his, uh, his girlfriend or his wife, you know, they left, you know, after I crossed, but he, you know, we ran nine miles together. Just, you know, we conversed, we talked like we were best friends in the world you know, we, we ran, walked at our little interval thing. We got there and, you know, we hugged it out at the finish line and went our separate ways. I don't even know who the hell is, what his name was. Like, that's how, you know, that's the, that's the community though. So back to the Barkley Marathon, just bring it up. I, I lied. It's the course is about a hundred miles. The race limit is 60 hours. And there's a world famous long distance runner who failed the race by three seconds. And he was going to run it this year. And he just posted on his Instagram that he's, he's changed his mind. But the reason I'm bringing it back up again is when you're doing a hundred mile race, you meet a random person and you team up, you use that motivation, push along, push along, push along. And so in the case of this, where you're running laps, you know, a lot of these guys run laps together. And since, and as I said, like 15 or 16 people's ever completed this race. Well, what they do is when it gets down to the last lap mathematically, cause you got 60 hours, I say, okay. You have enough time. You can rest 20 minutes or whatever and then do your maintain your pace once again based off the math. But what they do is if it comes down to two or three people, they make them run opposite direction so they're not running together. So let's say there's only two people left in this race. Everybody drops out. Okay, so your last lap, one of the first fastest times picks which direction. I'm going clockwise. You got to go counterclockwise so that they cannot work together on that last lap. <laughs> it's just They just do it to tear them down. It's insane. But yeah, I'm good. Yeah, it was based off the 1977 escape of James Earl Ray, who assassinated Martin Luther King. And part of the, the race is you run through a concrete tunnel underneath that prison that he escaped out of. But, uh, yeah, it's just it's an interesting watch. Um, I started off the beginning of the podcast, and once again, I have run brain because I just got back from running and going to the store and all that stuff. But the reason I brought up Coulter Wall at the beginning 
I find personally when I run long distances, the way to mentally shorten that time is to listen to long songs. And so I find myself, even though I grew up listening to punk rock music and underground hip hop and all that stuff, uh, about five years ago, I was running and I was listening, speaking of punk, I was listening to um, Dropkick Murphys, you know, shipping off to Boston. It's a faster, heavier song. And, you know, I'm running and they're short songs. I'm running to the rhythm. Well, then this weird song comes on by a group called the Dead South. They got a banjo. They got a mandolin and a guy uses a um, his upright bass. He uses a cello. And they got these weird country Kentucky, because I'm from Kentucky, like these weird bluegrass sounding songs, but the lyrics are crazy. And I get to looking them up and they're from Ontario, Canada. So the next time I run, I start listening to the Dead South radio, and then Culture Wall comes on, and all these bluegrass style um, folk songs come on that are like seven and eight minutes long, and they're telling stories. They're almost like hillbilly operas, right? They're they're great songs. The music's insane. They're, the lyrics are great, but what I find is they're fast paced. They got a banjo in them, and and you really got to check the music out. It's not as bad as it sounds, and so you can maintain that fast pace. But, you know, when you're out running 8, 9, 12 miles and you're listening to seven-minute songs opposed to 303-minute songs, it makes that run seem a lot shorter. At least for me, it does. So I typically run and, I got you know, when I get ready for a race, I start my own playlist just because, you know, usually the playlist is based on my goal time. So if it's if I want to run a 150-half marathon, I set a 152-or-so play, playlist. And, and I, I usually mix it up just – songs that I know just to take my mind off the fact that I'm running usually upbeat songs to keep my pace going. Cause I always end up running to the pace of the music and that's that. However, you're probably going to freak when you hear this one since starting Ironman training on November 15th, I am not running with music. It's interesting. You bring that up. I went out tonight. My kid wanted to go to youth group for the first time. The church is three minutes down the road. It's like, fantastic. I'll drop you off. I'll go drive 10 minutes downtown Fort Myers. I'll run for 35, 40 minutes, maybe an hour, depending on the, the hair I get up my butt. Come back, pick you up, and go home. I'm heading to downtown Fort Myers, and I realize, oh, hey, stupid, you left your Raycons at home. You have no music tonight. And if you have a new cell phone, they don't have headphone jacks. And so even though I'm parking at Publix, I can't just mosey in and buy earbuds because my new fancy Galaxy doesn't have a standard audio port on it. Mm-hmm. And so I actually ran that four and a half miles, just listened to me, the sound of my feet. And luckily I was running downtown. So you had bars playing music and you got food smells and all that. So it wasn't that bad. But if I was running around my neighborhood and pitch quiet, it yeah, definitely, it, it changes everything. Yeah. So I can't have... Music, I can't have headphones in the Ironman. So I'm preparing, not on any of the events, so not the bike, not the run, uh, obviously not the swim. Uh, so I'm mentally preparing myself for that. And, you know, if uh, right now we're, and we're eight weeks into training and every run I've done has been either sprints or zone two, which is boring as hell. But if I can build that mental callus where I don't have, I don't need, I don't require run. I can run on my own. I'm literally having, com- like I, I will mentally record a vlog in my head. I was having conversations with myself tonight, things I want to talk about. And it's weird. If you, uh, for those of you listening, if you never, you know, ran more than a mile or so, you process a lot of information, especially when you don't have music, you start thinking about the weirdest stuff and all the things you want to do and all the things you got to do. And like, if you, 
if you find yourself over um, loaded with your work, your life, technology, and all that, and you feel like you don't have any time to yourself, do yourself a favor. Go on Amazon. Get yourself a pair of $75 Songshni Cohesion 14s. They're not super expensive, but Robert can tell you that if you're not running with proper shoes, you're just hurting yourself. Get yourself a decent pair of running shoes and just walk down in the street. Walk back next day. Walk to your neighbor. You know, if you if you find that you can't jog for long periods of time, jog walk. Jog until you run out of breath and then walk and then pick up yeah. and jog. And before you know it, you're running a mile. And just remember the mantra, anybody can run a mile. But before you know it, you're uh, you're getting that me time and you're processing a lot of things and getting stuff done. And you'd be surprised how much mental um, production clarity. and clarity you get done. And not only that, but your body's getting fitness too. And yeah, I mean, it's I get so much thought, so so many thoughts done and taken care of. And you know, if, if I'm pissed off at something, that's like ideal time to go run because I can just work it all out in my head before I do something stupid. And I mean, up here, like running through neighborhoods and you know backcountry roads, I literally don't have any businesses, so it's all either my feet or cars. That's it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I. I that mental callus is tough. And, you know, I've got, I've got a 90 minute run on Sunday that is going to be silent. Yeah. It's funny. At six o'clock in the morning. So I was telling myself that I'm like, Hey, this sucks. But when you run a savage race, you can't wear headphones while well, you can, you'll destroy them. But here, here's the dead South. Tell me you couldn't run to this and maintain a good pace. You can maintain a pace of that baseline. Yeah. So this is Dead South Banjo Odyssey. Now this one's only four minutes long, but they, it's like I said, when I say, I guess technically they're not bluegrass, but it was a Kentucky boy with a banjo. But, and so if you're just getting started, whether it's running or exercise, definitely find something that you can do it to. Like when I go to the gym, I don't listen to this. I listen to DMX. I listen to Mad Child. I listen to 90s gangster hip-hop, which I got to be very careful about singing along with in public. But, yeah, I listen to things. I'll turn on Pantera. I got so I actually went to the gym last night because I, I, I want to get into this kind of New Year's you know, stuff and our plans for the New Year's. But I, I got kind of hard on myself because between November and now, I've gained like 12 pounds. I just said, fuck it. I've been eating everything, eating candy, eating pie, this and that. And someone told me, you know, I've noticed you've been fishing more than you've been running. And that kind of stung me a little bit, but I got to thinking, well, yeah, but in 2021, I ran two Savage races, two virtual OCR races, and a um, Rugged Maniac. So in 2021, I ran three actual uh, OCR races and a virtual race, two of them. I think I earned two months of not moving and doing anything. But with that being said, here it is. We're in 2022. Last night I went to the gym for 45 minutes. And back to the music thing. Okay, I got three weights. And I want something to pump me up. So I turn on like, I turn on pan, uh, Deftones. I said, okay, I want to go back to my 90s roots. Maybe get some Deftones, some corn, some cold chamber in there, some old school Limp biscuit. And I turn it on and they're playing like, and don't get me wrong, Jelly Roll, I love you, but they're playing slow-ass Jelly Roll, and I'm like, I want something, and I kept hitting next, and they're playing all this slow music. I'm like, I'm on this hardcore metal channel because I want to get pumped, and I got so frustrated. I had to, like, switch to four different channels before I finally found something I could lift to, 
and uh, it just drove me nuts. But speaking of lifting, I know from watching your vlogs and all that, you hit the gym. But I want to ask, when you're planning on marathon, do you cut back on the strength training? No. Really? No, not at all. Um, even now, I, my coach has me lifting two to three days a week when I can fit it in. So, like, if I have a heavy leg day towards the end of the week, he's not going to give me a third uh, lifting day. Uh, he'll usually put in two actual strength days, Monday and Wednesday. The my coaches did tell me that they are all for me doing extra. So like Friday, I only have a, I think it's only like a twenty four hundred yard swim. Only twenty four hundred yard swim. If I have nothing else to do and I feel good, I can go to the gym and lift if I wanted to. Um, I probably won't lift legs this week because I have a heavy leg weekend. But like next week, I'll probably hit leg. And they are very very fond of lifting heavy. So if I can lift heavy and not impede performance on swim, bike, and run, they are all for it. Well, see, I just kind of figured maybe you would cut back a little bit on the weightlifting because obviously muscle mass has weight to it and you're trying to run long distances and you're basically, unless you're cutting fat, you know. so that, That's the key. So Because you I, don't want to add more weight to your knees. That's what I was kind of getting at. It's like, well, you got to run and you're building muscle mass. So you're going to increase your weight and bulk up and it's going to be harder to move your body. See, that was the thought that I used to have. Um, okay. That, you know, muscle mass was heavier so that, you know, you would end up having more weight on the legs. But one thing I've learned over the years for, you know, 100% fact is that functional weight is better than dead weight. And right now I, you know, if you can find fat on my body, I'm, I'm trying to get rid of it. So I'm, I'm not exact. I don't have abs. I'm still, you know, way over 14%, which is, you know, the ideal goal for me. But even if I'm putting on muscle, but burning, getting rid of that fat, that's ideal. Cause functional muscle is still is going to help you get faster. Anyway, I have a friend who does, you know, he used to do marathons before he got into bodybuilding and he was, you know, eight, 9% body fat at 108, 190 pounds. And the guy was running seven, seven minute miles during a marathon. Cause I'm trying to force myself to get in shape quick. Um, I'm looking at my straw for this month. I'm only five days in. I've already got three hours and 45 minutes worth of fitness in. I got two hours. I got 10 miles worth of running done already. Um, I got 2.1 miles on my kayak. Now, let me say this. When I'm kayaking, I don't turn my garment on when I'm just floating around casting. What usually happens is I'll float two miles down stream or three miles down the canal. And then anytime I have a long paddle, like I'm trying to paddle back to fight the sun, anytime I have like I know I'm going to be paddling for 20 minutes straight, then I'll turn on my garment and track it. So I've actually tracked a mile and a half of kayaking, even though I've done more than that. And then 41 minutes of of weight training. So I'm already at three hours, 45 minutes for January. And I only put in seven hours in December. So I'm already well tracking to beat last month in my fitness. And so what I'm trying to do for my OCR, and I do want to try to get a half marathon in this year and maybe a marathon, which may be pushing it. But my 2022 goals is I want to work on my long distance running. Yeah. Um, my 2022 goals, uh, like I said, I, I, the first one is obviously finish and complete Ironman World Championship, which I'm not racing the World Championship. I'm racing Ironman oh. St. George, which just happens to be the World Championship. I was saying, you're kind of doing the open wave, quote unquote. You're not doing Yeah, essentially. I'm not, yeah, I'm not racing to win. I'm just, that's my first race in two years. I'm not, I'm not going to try to win. 
Uh, I'm, the next race I have uh, Ironman wise is Ironman Chattanooga. Now, that one I'm trying to set a, a PR with. So I'm trying to go for like under 12 hours with that one. Uh, Chattanooga, pretty hilly, but you know, it's not as hilly as Utah. And I figure coming off Utah, you know, with four month training block, I should be all right. I also have a half marathon in February that I'm going to try to PR. I'm going to try to go for a 140. Wow. Where's that one at? Orlando. It's the Disney. Well, see, I was going to say, when you told me you're running in Tennessee, because elite events, you can find an elite event race anytime. They're all over Florida. The fact that you're doing traveling out of state to hilly ass areas is a true um, props and heads up to you. I mean, that's just insane because you could have easily said, okay, I'll just go on an elite event, run three of their half marathons this year and call it quits. But no. Well, that's the thing. Because so last year when I was signing up for the marathon, I needed something to run. And I couldn't find any marathon with, with everything being up in question. I couldn't find anything that was guaranteed to be open. Yeah. I, so I was just Googling, I was on like find a run or whatever the hell the website is. And the marathon popped up. It was $40 to register. So even if they canceled or went virtual, I was just what I was at 40 bucks, you know? Um, so that was that. I mean, I was, my half marathon was local, but I, I was initially going to do the best damn race in New Orleans. Cause I liked that, that course. Um, but yeah, I did, you know, so I did the Gulf coast half marathon, which is, you know, in town is right along the beach, the whole, whole way. Um, What's but yeah, I mean, it's a, for, for Ironman, I got to go out to out of state, which sucks, but it is, you know, it is what it is. What city are you in? Pensacola. Okay. That's not you. I found somebody here in Florida. There's a lot of Robert Hales on athletes. So, so Apparently. Like, yeah. But I mean, I have all, I've, I think I've claimed all my, I'm just looking races, through, so. I'm just searching for athletes and, um, there's a lot of you out there. I'm trying to find yours, but uh, but anyhow, uh, you know it's funny. Rugged Maniac is kind of like I jokingly refer to as my first OCR. It's it's at the Tampa Fairgrounds, has a lot of inflatables, but they do have some stuff, you know, monkey bar type stuff. But it's definitely no Savage or you know, uh, Tough Mudder or a Spartan race. So I signed up for it. It's super dirt cheap, and I ran it last year. And I had decent time. Unfortunately, they don't have chips, so it's not on Athletics, and I didn't look it up for the show. But not only did I do a, a decent time, I actually had 100% completion on all our obstacles because compared to the ones I run in Savage, they're just easier. So I signed up for this year, and I'm actually running an Elite Wave just to see if I can, since I did that with 100% completion and decent time, I want to see if I can actually podium in my age group on that that dinky little ocr this year <laughs> i'm kind of cheating because i think i can do it but hell why not right you do it the first time you get 100 percent completion and decent time on an open wave why not sign up for an elite wave right why not makes sense have you ever heard of the four by four by 48 by david goggins i have and i almost did it last year well for someone like me that's a little hardcore but i thought well, what if we cut it in half what if we did like a one by 24 run one mile every hour for 24 hours how hard would that be i don't i don't know how i mean it's 24 miles over over the course of 24 hours i mean mm -hmm. i but then you're you're dealing with sleep deprivation around three four five in the morning unlike you know when you get up and run a marathon you get up show up at seven and start and then you're done by you know whatever you're doing one an hour, you know, time three and 2 a.m. roll around, you might get a little tired. I, well, I think, I think that was the point of the four by four by 48 though, is, you know, to handle, how do you, ha how are you handling that lack of sleep? Cause I mean, you run for four miles at the top of whatever hour, 
mm-hmm. and you get the rest of the hour, the rest of the time of that four hour block to recover. Yep. So eat, sleep, do whatever. Now it wouldn't get tough until, you know, probably like mile, like the, the third or fourth block where you hit that 12, 16, 20 mile increment. I mean, you're doing 48 miles. That sucks. But when the middle of the night comes and you got to get up at like midnight and run, mm-hmm. that's where it would be tough. Cause you're like, I've only got like two hours of sleep. You know, is it going to be, are you going to do it? Are you going to do it on a treadmill? Are you going to do it outside? Um, I know a couple of people that did it. I was, when I was going to do it was last year, but I was going to try to set up a charity event. Just kind of like, you know, raise money for a, whatever cause and then donate it to whatever charitable organization or thing that I wanted to. Uh, there's a couple, you know, I'm a former Navy guy. So there's a couple, you know, special forces people or that, you know, that died in Iraq that, you know, have funds like Shannon Kent, uh, the female cryptologist that died a couple years ago. I was going to raise money for her and her, her, for her family and just kind of like donate it to them as like a Christmas gift. But I never actually got around to it. Cause I'm, you know, I'm a shitty person, I guess. But. Well, for those who listen at home is not aware, basically you got to run four miles every four hours for 48 hours, which, okay. If I can run three miles in 30 minutes, four miles in 45. So that means I get, you know, three hours and 55 minutes to do whatever. My question is when you first start off and you're strong, right? You're Robert Hale. You got to run eight, 12 miles just for fun on a, on a Tuesday. Do you kind of do the math game? You're like, okay, for the first run, I can run this four miles easily if I'm just taking my time. Let's just for easy math, 40 minutes, right? And so you say, instead of running at the beginning of that four-hour block, I'm going to run it at the end. I'm going to do the math, check out my pace, run it at the end. But instead of running four hours, uh, four miles, I'm going to run eight miles, four at the end of the first block, four at the beginning of the second block. And then I have a long period of time because then I can do the next four miles at the end of the third block. And that gives me almost seven hours to chill out. Do you think you would do math games like that? Or how do you think you would work it early on? I think at the end of the race, you'd just be like drudging it. But I think I think at the beginning of the race, you're like, I can blow these out quicker if I do it like this. I don't know. Like, I hadn't thought about strategy. I mean, I would probably just wait to the top of the hour, knock them all out, and then recover the rest of it, you know just sleep, nap, eat, whatever. This way you have enough time to digest food. But I guess towards the end, running eight miles straight. Or you can run four hours at the beginning of block five, you know, three, and then run the next four hours at the end. So now you're giving yourself seven hours recovery because it's only going to take you 45 minutes to run that four miles or 50 at that point. You know what I mean? So if you do one at the beginning and one at the end of the next block, now you're giving yourself a huge time to, but then you're also giving yourself time to get sore and lose that motivation. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, once that that lactic acid sets in, mm-hmm. that, that, that muscle stiffness. I mean, you're like, you know, that that's part of the challenge: the sleep deprivation, balancing when you're going to eat, the muscle soreness, and the motivation to just get out there and do it. I mean, the first four blocks are going to be fine, you know, because it's oh, cool. You know, I mean, like you could run, depending on what time of year it is, you can go out and run four miles and come back and like barely broken a sweat you know there's no speed requirements like you have to sprint it yeah you do like 12 minute mile (laughs) yeah but then like when you get to mile like i said you know mile 20 24 28 you're like i don't want to do this anymore yeah you know your feet hurt your knees hurt your quads your your hamstrings are hurt everything's hurting you're stiff i mean i don't know like i I said i I haven't done it i might do it because after ironman chattanooga in september i'm not running for a while um 
Well, see, so I, I might try to, I might do it like top of the year, like, you know, to start 2023. See, I thought it'd be kind of fun because you'd have that same sort of issue, even if you're only doing one mile, one hour for 24 hours. I mean, you're still going to run in that sleep deprivation and a lot of, you know, the first five oh, mile, you know, it's 12 minutes. Okay. Well, that's 12 minutes, but then like, by uh, hour 18, he's like, I got things I want to do, but I got to bust up this mile. I, I, don't know, I just thought it might be interesting to try that before you went full whole hog on the 48 hours. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I would probably just go go for the 4x4x48 four by four by instead of just trying to dumb it down and yeah. do math. You know, just because that's the type of guy I am. I'm just, you know, if I'm not going all out, why, why even do it? Absolutely. Yeah, so... Uh, Weight training, um, that's something I'm trying to get back into. Obviously, with those obstacle course races, you got monkey bars and all that. Um, we kind of get set in the routines and get into that physical fitness rut. I've been going to Planet Fitness for probably eight or nine years. But the problem is I run, and I'm staring at my, my, my mixed fitness bike. Do you have a Peloton? Uh, no, I don't. I We got a mixed fitness bike because Carrie um, – hurt her rotator cuff she can't run and the mixed fitness is kind of like a peloton the only difference is what we found out peloton actually owns the patent and this is crazy and they've already sued um i fit with nordic track peloton owns the patent and this is crazy it's this distinct and i'm not reading it i'm going off memory they own the patent on live bike rides delivered to a bike via a tablet and or display attached to the bike with live scoreboards so what does all that mean that means until their patent wears out the mixed fitness the nordic track and all the third-party companies they can have the tv on their their bikes and they can have pre-recorded classes but they cannot have live classes and they cannot have live leaderboards so let's say you bought a mixed fitness and i'm following you and you and i both riding a pre-recorded race if mixed fitness actually put Roberts running at this pace, this many miles and I'm behind you, they could get sued for that. Well, that's, that's kind of the rub. Cause as a beach body guy, I know beach body and mix just merged. Mm-hmm. And I know I can tell you this for hundred percent fact, beach body is hosting live classes on the bike. I don't think the scoreboard part is part of it because I, that was one of the things they drove home was that they wanted to separate, you know, that between them and orange fitness, Peloton orange fitness was, you know, the whole scoreboard and keeping score thing. So I think they're still doing the live classes. I just don't think they're doing with, with a scoreboard on it. Yeah, there's my bike there. Um, they're a nice setup. It's interesting. Um, once again, the patent's only in the bike riding, so you can rotate the screen and they have like live fitness classes. Cause once mm-hmm. again, the patent is only on that. And, um, Beachbody, I did P90X for years, and that's actually how I lost my weight going back to when I dropped 40 pounds because of two kidney stones. Being an IT guy, we used to do this, uh, the show circuits. We'd go to tech shows and all that, try to sell our services. And so we had a projector that would blast up on the wall behind us, slideshows. So what I actually did is I got a hold of the early P90X stuff, and I still have it. And I put a computer out in my garage hooked it to my stereo system. Instead of a, t- a monitor, I hooked up that damn projector. <laughs> so I'm out there doing P90X with six-foot-tall homeboy and his crew on my wall. So it was almost like you're in that classroom. And even though you're in a hot-ass garage in Florida, it once again, talking about motivation, doing it with other people. When you're 
doing it in a garage and the display is six foot tall on your wall, it, it definitely helps. So I, I actually did the whole P90X stuff, and I know they were with Beachbody for a while, weren't they? Or they yeah, still they are? Still are. Beachbody owns P90X. I know Tony Horton is doing his own thing now, mm-hmm. but I think his latest contract was he can come back and do something whenever he wants, but he's not isolating He's not limited to just doing Beachbody stuff. So if you guys are out there and you're wanting a bike or whatever, Mix Fitness is a lot cheaper. They have the payment plan, just like come, um, come talk to me. Really? Yeah, you can get it right through me. Oh, uh, as, as a Beachbody guy. Oh, uh, you, you so you, I'm telling you, I love my Mix Fitness bike. Um, once Christmas is over, I'm going to move it back out in the living room. It's in the podcast studio because the Christmas tree. I actually did the yoga for the first time the other day. I used to do yoga a lot when I had sciatic nerve pain and I was post um, kidney stones. I would do, believe it or not, I would do the P90X yoga is how I actually got started. And it, it definitely helps. And so I actually did the yoga with the mixed fitness. I love this damn bike. They have the uh, scenic rides. I do the uh, 30, 45-minute hits. I do the cool downs. There's days I'll go out and run three miles, come home, and do a cool down on the mixed fitness bike. So, I mean, this is not a paid sponsorship. I wish it was. But if you're looking for a quality, I mean, the design and the the craftsmanship on this thing's amazing. So if you're if you're wanting to get in that bike realm, especially if you're living in areas where it snows all the time and you don't want to pull the trigger on a Peloton, don't sleep on mixed fitness. It's a great bike. I'll tell you what, once that once that uh once that patent wears out, I'm sure they'll have the live bike riding on it, which to me really don't matter. I mean, what do you get what's the difference between a live and a pre recorded? The live one, the guy might actually say, Hey Robert, I see you there. Pick it up, buddy. Other than that, it's the same damn thing. Yeah, I mean, so my my whole thing with I don't do classes like I, I just despise fitness classes i mean not that i have anything against them but for me personally it's just i don't do group fitness i yeah. you know let me just do my own thing um i know with the way we're doing things with our with the live classes on our system is you know they'll have a bunch of like like a green screen behind the trainer and they'll have a little video of all the like the first hundred people that get into the class nice and you know it's like you know the, the trainers can see you and they got their monitors and they can shout you out and do whatever i'm like i don't want to be seen yeah. like I don't need to be on a monitor. I sweat too much to be on a monitor. I don't want to be looked at. You know, just let me get in there and make my faces and, and do what I got to do on my own in my garage. Well, the cool thing is, is like, say you go on here, you want to do a 45 minute ride and you choose 90s hip hop. That's an option. And it's kind of like Pandora. So, yes, the ride is pre recorded, but the music is running through a music service and you can skip up the, f- just like Pandora, you can skip up the five songs during that routine. And so, even though you did it last week and you want to do it again tomorrow, it's not going to be the same songs in the same spot. You know, it, the, the music changes. So at least, yeah, the verbiage will stay the same. The ride will stay the same, but it doesn't get boring because the music changes and you right. can actually control the music volume. You want the trainer louder. You can adjust the volume to make the trainer louder and you can lower the, the music. Um, it has an HDMI cable, so you can just plug it into a bigger monitor if you want, but it's a great bike. I'm looking at it's covered in sweat, which is, which is a good sign. But, uh, so I, I've been trying to, cause I used to be, I'm going to go to the gym twice a day, gym twice a day. Then I discovered running after I got injured and couldn't go to the gym. And then I was just running, running, running. And so now I'm trying to well round out my fitness. I'm trying to run. So now my goal for 2022, now that my daughter's going to do this youth thing, I can do my long runs on Wednesdays. I do podcasts on Mondays and Tuesdays. So I'll probably just do my bike on those days and then try to get to the gym once or twice a week and then run the other day. So now instead of just, I'm running five days a week, doing nothing else, I'm going to try to, round it off so that I can get more fit in different areas instead of just being static and doing. And it's also, it, 
helps with the motivation and doesn't burn you out when you're changing things up. Yeah, I think the way my schedule is now is I have about three swims a week, three bikes a week, three runs a week, and then I mix in. And I've, obviously, that's like some days is just, you know, two workouts. Most days are two workouts a day. Um, and then I'll throw in a strength training, you know, two to three times a week. Um, and I just finished P90X again, like two weeks ago. I just, I did the full 90 days, you know, do they come out with a second version or is it still that same one, the same no, original one? Dude, we've got so many more workouts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a P90X two, which is more athletic focus and like, like sports performance focused. It's different. You use medicine balls and stability ball. And it's, it's completely different from now. And then there's the, p90x3 which is like a 30 minute version so it like combines a whole bunch of modalities as far as fitness goes and it's just every workout is no longer than 30 minutes it's like 30 minutes exactly uh it's still the same goofy tony horton but you know i mean i've done that one a couple of times i've done them all a couple of times um but yeah we've got workouts for bodybuilders we got workouts for runners which for beginner runners are good uh we got you know your high intensity workout we've got your just getting started strength workouts i mean we have a library that would that rivals a lot of different things. It's like t- twelve different trainers, and we just keep adding more stuff every year. Um, this is the uh, scramble brain episode of the Fail to Fail podcast. But the reason I got into the mixed fitness topic on this is, I as I said, I I I've been going to Planet Fitness for so damn long, and I got to look around. I'm like, this is basically a cardio gym. This is where people mm-hmm. go when they want to lose weight. They're just getting into it. I've been coming here for years. I like the fact that I can walk in, I have to check in, everybody knows me. But with that being said, I'm looking around like, okay, I run three, I run like 12, sometimes 18 miles a week. If I'm not running, I'm on my own bike at home. The free weights here aren't super great. So I'm even though I'm so comfortable there and we all kind of get into that fitness rut, I'm thinking about pulling the trigger, canceling my contract, and going over to Crunch because I've been over there twice on a guest membership and they have a 40 rung monkey bars, which is great for my OCR training. They got sled pushing areas. So you can push sleds. They got 35 inch jump. I can actually jump and squat onto a 35 inch jump box. They got the medicine ball targets where you squat and you throw it up and hit the targets. They just have so much more. I don't want to say, I let's just, I guess I've outgrown my fitness has outgrown what planet fitness has available to me for the type of stuff I'm doing. And so I'm trying to get out of that comfortable rut and just change over and go to a whole new gym. Yeah. And, uh, I was at Planet Fitness when I started uh, probably like 2012. And after the second lunk alarm in the same workout, I said, F this. Cause the dude that hit me was when I'm skinny, I don't lift. I'm just going to, I'm wearing mm-hmm. boat shoes. I'm, I'm just waiting for you to do something that I don't like. I was the only one in the gym and, uh, I was leaning on, on the bench doing uh, rows, dumbbell rows. Yep. And instead of standing up and risking pulling my back, I was from six inches up, I dropped the weights. And as he was staring at me, as soon as they hit, he hit the alarm. And I looked at him and he was just smirking at me. I was like, you know what? This, you did it again. Um, and I walked out, you know, two days later, came back, canceled my membership. And uh, now I go to Anytime Fitness, which I like because the one I have here is one of the largest ones in the the whole franchise. But I can go to anyone in the world and just fob in. Isn't it funny that Planet Fitness's whole thing is it's the judgment free zone, but they got they the most judge. they got the most judgmental statement plastered on the wall around the lunk alarm, and then they go as far as describing what a lunk is, and it's like the most offensive description of a gym person. <clears throat> it's like how are you claiming to be the holy 
no judgment zone. You get purple equipment so people don't feel masculine, which I get. That's fine. But if your whole thing is we're judgment-free zone, why do you have the most judgmental statement right on your goddamn wall and then have an alarm if you accidentally drop your weight or breathe a little too heavy? Well, what got me was when they started outlawing deadlifting and uh, you couldn't superset. Like they put up signs saying there are no supersetting. So I can't go from chest press to chest flies or, or something like that or, you know, whatever. And like no supersetting, no, no deadlifting, no powerlifting moves. So I couldn't, you know, you can't squat free weights. Their dumbbells only go up to like 60 to 70 pounds. You know, their prefab curl bars and straight bars only go up to like 50, 60 pounds. I mean, I outgrew, I outgrew that place pretty, pretty quickly, but after the lunk alarm, that was like what really set me off. I, no pun intended. And, and just planet fitness is a weird environment in the way of their franchises and so to give planet fitness some credit i've never had his problems at ours because our, our franchisee is cool the only problem is is he gives his people time off so on fridays a place closes at eight and saturday and sunday closes at eight so i can go to the other ones open 24 hours luckily i've never i wear you know some kind of in your face t-shirts while i'm in there and i've never had comments about my shirts and anything like i've never had a bad experience that you hear about on the internet with people getting kicked out because they had a a jug of water or people getting kicked out i've never had that at mine otherwise i wouldn't have been there for 10 or 12 years but in the case of mine i've just out my fitness level not that i'm some huge hulking guy but the things i'm wanting to do in my training i just can't do there i mean they got the pull down ropes which is fine but other than that it's like I'm more into, I need, I'm borderline on like CrossFit, but without, you know, the insanity of it. I'm more, I need to start pushing sleds, do these squats with the, you know, and so I'm, I'm probably going, and it's, it's only going to cost you about 10 bucks more a month. Yeah. And, I mean, Planet so, Fitness is great for beginners who just want to get active. Like if you, if you, if you want to tread 20 pounds, 30 pounds, go for it. It ain't even about that. It, like if you want to just move, you know, cause yeah. they have like, a hundred treadmills and ellipticals and bikes and you know 50, whatever cool man eight step machines they do have a lot of ellipticals and bicycles and all that stuff right and it's but at some point you're going to graduate to a facility that suits your needs so as you get better in whatever it is you're doing you particularly need a gym that's going to be more suited for the ocr stuff so you're gonna have you know the sled pulls and the medicine balls and, and things you know the slams and whatever you know me i just you know, give me a weight section with dumbbells and free weights, and I'm good to go. Well, and that's the thing too. I went there, and their weights, the free weights, like you said, Planet Fitness might max out 65 pounds, and they just have so much more. Instead of having two 25s, they got six 25s, and they have so much more. And the other thing I never thought about: Planet Fitness bench presses, they are assisted. They got the poles, and so you're you're going there and you're ripping and you're putting up weight. And I've been going there for so many years. When I went to Crunch Fitness, their bench press is just a goddamn bench. <laughs> and so now you're going like this, left and right, because for 10 years you had this assistant. All you got to do is press straight up and down. Now you're fighting the left and right motion, and you realize, oh, I've been getting kind of coddled and not getting yep. the full workout because not only are you pushing up, part of the workout is controlling the left and right motion. And so I realized – and the equipment's just newer, and because our Crunch Fitness was just built, so I'm probably going to pull the trigger and just move over there. Because I, I really, 2022 is going to be the year for me where I'm going to try to get back to where my goal for this year, as stupid as this sounds, my goal for this year is to get my body back to where it was when I had my picture taken at Savage Race in 2019. I was probably, 
I was at 207 at that point. I was going crazy. I was running all the time, going to the gym. Um, 207 is not a maintainable weight when you're six foot five. So if I can maintain like a 210 walking around weight, right now I'm at 218. So I want to lose eight pounds, but lose more fat and then build muscle to maintain that 210. That's my goal for 2022. Right now, uh, this morning I weighed in around 214, um, which is. You're what, 6'5", 6'4"? Six, 6'4". Six, six foot. Six foot? Yeah. So my goal for race day in May is between 195 and 200. Do you find when you're running, because you and I both have, I'm five inches taller than you, but we have longer legs. But I realize when I'm running, I don't utilize my gait. I don't pull my knees up very high. I almost run in a like a weird shuffle. And so one of the things I've been working on is trying to when I get about two miles in, I consciously now try to force myself to raise my knees up higher, thus widening my gait, making me travel further with less steps and, and utilize my body that way. Cause I find I have this weird little shuffle when I run. And if I just bring my knees up more often, I could probably minimize the amount of steps I'm having cause I'm extending my gait. but I, that's just something weird I got to work on. I don't have, I mean, I, I'm not really, extending my legs a whole lot. Like I said, I'm still in the zone two base building training. So my paces are like between 10 Oh nine and like 11 20 or something like that. But I did find it, you know, I mean, cause you're not going full stride when you're running slower. Yeah. When I wanted to pick it up, like a couple of weeks ago, I just, I wanted to just run this. My, my coach was like, just open up and do what you do and, and go as fast as you want. I'm like, sweet. The amount of effort it took, to go from a 1020 pace down to an 820 pace was minimal. It was literally just open your stride. And my heart rate still stayed within 10 beats of where I was, you know, two minutes slower. But I was moving so much faster. And all I had to do was step, was stride. So I like that I'm there. I like that I'm at that point. Obviously, now, you know, in a couple of weeks, we start working on getting faster and getting, you know, hill repeats and stuff like that. Cause that's going to be where, where the speed comes into play. But the endurance is definitely picking up, and I like that. You know, it's funny. I just ran up four miles at probably about an hour and a half ago. My resting heart rate right now is still at 89, so which is high for me for my resting heart rate. My wife hates me because, like, right now I'm at 57. Yeah. There, sometimes I'll look down. I'll be like, if I'm really chilling, I'll look down. I'll be like at 48. And, my, yeah. and Carrie's like, I'm sitting at 90. <laughs> it's so crazy how much higher – uh rate the women are that my wife doesn't run either she she's getting into running i shouldn't say she doesn't run she doesn't run often so her aerobic capacity isn't what mine is like you know there's no contest between that so like she'll start running and her heart rate will go up to 150 160 in a matter of you know a half a mile whereas for me to get to 160 i gotta be six miles deep yeah that's running that's a fun game to play too. Is if your spouse has a Fitbit or you have a Fitbit or hopefully you moved up to a Garmin because Fitbits are Fitbits are good for starting out, which they may have changed in the last four years. Um, but they're very conservative. Uh, this, at least on the old Fitbit, this is considered a step. So I'd get like 20 steps doing that. Whereas Garmin actually uses GPS. Cause when I had my Fitbit, once again, I was just starting, but I would, I would drive, I'm an IT guy. And so I'm steering my wheel like this all day. I'd get home. I'd have like, 40,000 steps in <laughs> like 18,000 steps in. And then I switched to the Garmin with my same routine. And I'm like, 
well, I got 5,000 steps. <laughs> Cut it in half because Fitbit uses hand movement. They kind of use steps as a unit of measurement and not actual steps. But what I'm getting to is that it's a fun game to play. It's like if you and your spouse both have a Garmin or both have a Fitbit, go out and run a mile and see the difference on calories burned and heart rate between, you know, even if even if your wife or spouse runs as much as you do and you guys can maintain that rate, rate and you've been doing it a long time, you will see there is a genetic difference between men and women. Even if you, you're a man and you just start running and your wife's been running for four years, you will notice when you look side by side, compare them, um, you will actually see a huge difference between calories burn. Men burn more calories. Our heart rates are lower. It's crazy how much different it is when you do a side by side comparison using the stats from your device. Well, the calories, it makes sense because, you know, I mean, okay, I'm not going to say it's the same for all, but most men compared to women will have more muscle mass. And, you know, every, every pound of muscle you have burns more calories. So if you have more I muscle didn't know mass, that. yeah, men just genetically and, you know, just have more muscle mass. So I think it's like one pound of muscle mass burns like a hundred calories a day or something like that. So if you're carrying 190 pounds of muscle mass, just muscle by itself, you're burning at least 1900 calories a day or something like that. It's not an exact, obviously everybody's different, you know, whatever, but based, you just, that's the, the estimate is that, a, you know, hundred pounds per pound of muscle. Um, so naturally men are going to burn more and then it's, then it becomes, you know, the aerobic capacity on top of everything and, you know, how fast you're moving, you know, your, your tendons, your, your, your bone structure, your breathing and your, you know, your circulatory system. I mean, that's all going to determine how, how much calories you burn and the efficiency of your body to pump blood. I mean, your body's a, it's not a simple being it's not a simple machine it's very very complex but mm -hmm. you know i mean it, it is interesting to see you know so my wife and i you know we'll we'll go run and i'll be like yeah i ran six miles and you know i burned the same amount of calories it took for you to burn you know i mean like our calories just like so different like i have to run further mm -hmm. or she has to run further to burn, burn more calories than me and it's, she's not gonna ever run that far before we wrap it up you study more on the you're, you're more into the the technology and actually get, getting into calories and bmi and all that stuff do you think at some point we need to either get rid of the bmi or recalculate it i hate the bmi bmi is absolute utter outdated trash for those you at home bmi is the body mass index and as he just said which is my point the body mass index was invented in 1850. Right. And it was invented to identify, you know, obviously this is before people started lifting weights. Mm -hmm. This is before people started working on muscle mass and stuff like that. So it was uh, back when it was created, it was a good idea, a good estimate to say, okay, cool. You know, you're overweight, you're, you're obese, you know, you have your health risk, but now it just, it literally goes off your height and weight and doesn't go off of, you know, muscle mass or anything like that. So you look at the rock at six, four, or two seventy, or two fifty, whatever he is now, he's considered morbid obese, morbidly obese. Yeah. And that's what I was looking at. Um, cause I'm six foot five and at two eighteen, yeah, I could probably shed 10 pounds and be reasonable, but by the BMI index, I should be 178 pounds. And, Keep in mind, in 1850, the average height of a male was five foot five, and I'm trying to find the average weight, just to put it in perspective. 
I would say probably like 120 to 130. Yeah, and so there. now we're we're over 100 years ahead. We have prenatal vitamins, which help us as babies. We have better medicine. We're cruising around at six foot five, six seven. Um, I don't think using a chart that's designed for dudes at average five foot five and 145 pounds is is a really good way to try to. And it's not just fitness; they use this in doctors' offices. Yeah, and it's just well, I, the only the only justification I could have with keeping it is for the doctor's office. Like you can literally look at somebody and say, you know, height, weight, boom, here's your BMI without even doing measurements. And you can say, okay, well, you're obese. And depending on the individual, if you are not physically active, yeah, okay, that's probably gonna be more accurate. I'm considered obese according to BMI and I'm six foot two, 214. And, you know, okay, I'm not the best, the most interesting person, but clearly I'm, I'm, I'm not horribly out of shape, you know, I'm obese, which I think is garbage. You know, bodybuilders are obese. You know, elite athletes, if you've lifted and, and built mass in any way, shape, or form, you're obese, which clearly is wrong. So I think BMI, if you're, you're going to keep it, you know, use it as an estimate in the doctor's office for like whatever health potential, potential health risks, but that should never, ever, ever be used as a gauge of your personal Now, health. I'm going to be fully honest on here. I'm going to my Garmin because I do track my weight every morning. And like I said, okay, I've gained a lot of weight. Um, my running, when I did my last Savage Race, I was 218. As of this morning, I'm 228.2. So I, I've got some weight to lose. So I'm on the BMI calculator now. I'm 6'5". I'm 228.2. And this thing should say I'm obese. Okay, I'm overweight. So it's saying your BMI is 27.1, indicating your weight is overweight category. Um, for your height and healthy weight range would be from 156 to 210 pounds. 156 is a bit of a stretch for six foot five. I mean, you're talking, looking like freaking uh, the least of Rolling Stones at that point. Uh, 210, yes, but I couldn't imagine me walking around it. I, at my skinniest, when I moved to California at 21, I was 175 pounds, and I was rail thin. You could put your hands around my biceps. I, that's when I started going to gyms when I moved to California. And I'm going to the beach, and I got skinny, crackhead heroin arms. But I cannot imagine being back to 156 pounds at six so foot you, five. If you take my weight and my estimated body fat, and what? you know you do the math, whatever. I have about 165 to 169 pounds of muscle of, of lean mass there's no physical way i could get to my bmi healthy weight which is like below 160 yeah you would almost have to go on the matthew mcconaughey texas buyers club diet where he lost all that weight and he said it's permanently affected his body for losing that much weight in that movie oh i, I believe it i mean you know christian bale did it with you know the machinist and you know he got down like 105 pounds or 100 pounds or something like that and I mean, you starve yourself and I couldn't imagine there's no way, shape or form I would ever be able to eat less than a thousand calories a day and do nothing. We're going to wrap it up, but we, we could go on for more and more hours. Um, oh yeah. Sure. You have a great blog on your YouTube channel and you, you know, you talk about the proteins and the diets and all that stuff. What is your YouTube channel so people can find you? I think it's just Rob Hale. No, I'm on YouTube um, now. So let's find out. I should have had all this in advance, but once again, I had a busy night before I got here. Uh, do, 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 do. And people can find you also on Instagram. You post a lot of stuff on Instagram. 
And um, yeah. now you on Instagram, you do have yourself listed as a coach. Do you actually coach Rob H? Do you actively take on people to help them with their plans when it comes to coach? What what sort of coaching do you actually do? I can. So I mean, the coach title is is when I joined Beachbody like back in 2012. You know, they they call their distributors coaches. Okay, I'm not going to sugarcoat that and and like try to make it seem like I'm more than what I am. Um, I do help people obviously, um, use, you know, figure out their workouts and their programs and their nutrition plans and supplements and stuff like that. I, you know, I have a group going now where I got like 10, 10 ladies in there that are, you know, losing five to seven pounds from the last group that they're doing a second one. That's awesome. Um, I have studied for the certified uh, personal trainer cert. I just haven't taken the test, uh, cause I'm lazy. Um, but I mean, that, that's basically where it's at. I mean, I can help you. Uh, you want to reach out, reach out. That's fine. I mean, I don't, I, I don't charge for anything. I free advice. The easiest way to find him on Instagram. It, 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 his name displays on his profile is Robert Hale, but the actual Instagram channel would be coach Rob H. That's actually what your Instagram is. So if you guys search for yep. coach Rob H, um, it'll pull that up and you'll find him that way. And um, he's got a lot of great information on there. He has a link to his YouTube channel on there as well. And um, as always, just go to failtofail.com or d-410.com. We'll have a link to this show. And on that link to this show, we'll have links to his YouTube channel and Instagram. And so you can go follow Robert and check out and keep up with him for 2022 and see if uh, how he does on those two long-ass runs. So your goal is two for the year, right? Yeah, I've got two Ironman races this year. That's kind of, that's kind of like the big goal. The half marathon is a training run, essentially. But yeah, Ironman uh, St. George in May and Ironman Chattanooga at the end of September. Now, for those of y'all who are thinking about getting into running and all that, um, as I said, you can just start by walking through your neighborhood. But if once you get to the point where you're running a mile or two and having fun with it, and you start to feel like, okay, what am I doing this for? And Rob will probably agree. Go online, find a local 5K, even if you never ran one. Just by signing up for an event, even if it's a 5K, by signing up for an event and having it on the calendar, it motivates you to work towards something. And then you run that first 5K, and you're like, wow, that was fun. And now when you're out running, you feel like, okay, not, I'm not only running for my health, but now I'm running for something. I'm preparing for something. And now next thing you know, you're training. Like, Holy shit, now I'm training for something. What are you running for? I'm training. Training for what? 5K. And just having something in the distance a date to run towards it just makes working out daily or by daily whatever your schedule is it just helps so much more than just getting up okay i gotta get a run what for because i gotta maintain my weight no whether it's a 5k 10k a turkey trot whatever a mud princess find something that's out of your comfort zone something within at least reach of your current fitness level. And nice thing about this 5K is you don't have to run the whole damn thing. You can walk with your dog if you want to. Just get out there and just give yourself a short-term goal. And before you know it, you'll have more and more short-term goals and you'll have three or four races on your schedule. And it does. It helps you tremendously with staying motivated because now you're, now you're working towards something instead of just maintaining a routine. Oh, I agree 100%. Um, when, you start, when you sign up for that first race, whether, you know, 5K, whatever, as you're there, you're, you start talking to people, you join your local community and, you know, you start making friends and, and just getting out there and, and going for jogs, whatever, you know, I mean, it's, 
you become part of it, it's it's almost cult like yes it is uh, every, everything becomes about running you start talking to people about running and then i mean it's a healthy habit it's going to help you just again with your your mental clarity and anxiety and you you don't need a lot to go out and run so it's not like you got to pay you know thousands of dollars a year to just go, the shoes buy a pair of shoes and a head you know and, and an armband for your phone and go uh but you have a sense of purpose when you when you run like you said you sign up for a race you pick a date and you say boom now i have to train for that race and you don't have to train hardcore you're not trying to qualify for boston yet you know you pick a date and you say i'm gonna run two through couch to 5k it's a free program yep learn learn to run a 5k couch to 5k uh, couch to 10k it doesn't become a paid for program until couch to half marathon i actually did those for my half marathon training when i decided i downloaded i did the couch to I'd already ran 10Ks, but when my wife started running, she downloaded those, and then I went back kind of in the coach mode, so I would go run with her on those apps, and they are, they're tremendous. And there's another one. I don't know if it's still around. She did this one. I didn't do it. Her school did this. It was a zombie game, right? So you load this on your phone, and you go out running, and you have your music playing, and you get the mile one or you know half a mile, like a voice comes on. You notice a package on the road. What do you do? Oh, you pick it up and then you found whatever. And then you hear grunts coming and there's zombies running behind you. And so you pick up your pace. And if your pace doesn't pick up quick enough, the zombies get you. But at the end of your run, you upload it to the app and the stuff you found on your run actually goes into the game. So it's like taking a game and encouraging to go out and run almost like a, uh, a running version of Pokemon. So it's an augmented reality. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you run too slow, the zombies start coming, they get louder and louder in your headphones over your music. So you got to run faster and then they kind of quiet down. It's, 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 it was a pretty cool app. She enjoyed it, but there's, we, the- we, we did one uh, with my daughter um, when she was first getting into it. And she, this was back when she was like eight years old. It was a color run. It was a 5k color run where you run through the different stations mm-hmm. and they throw colored powder at you. And you just, you know, you end, you start off with like a white shirt, yep. you know, and then you end up with like, you know, three different colors on you and it's fun. It is what it is. I saw one, it was a, like a foam run where they set up like a foam course and you just run through this fun. Like, hey, you know, you, you go to the, go to Disney races where they dress up in costume. I don't do the costume thing, but you know, you'd be surprised, you know, 20,000 people racing and there are like 80% of them are, in in costume and tutus and what looking like disney characters i mean it's just i don't know like i enjoy the running community because it's it's there's so much camaraderie you said earlier it's cult like it's like you find yourself standing in a starbucks and dude walks in he's got on hokas or brooks i bet that fucker runs (laughs) you want to ask hey you run yeah how'd you know your shoes (laughs) dude i I, when i go to disney if it's in the summertime because you know certain times of year you don't always wear shorts but I'm looking around for the people wearing the Iron Man shirts and the Iron Man bags and the, the the calf tattoos, you know. And it's like, okay, I know that guy. That guy's in an Iron Man. You almost want to walk up and be like, hey, which one did you do? Mm-hmm. You know, start having that conversation. Um, but I mean, I, I kind of respect the whole family vacation thing. Like, don't yeah. bother me if I'm if I'm with my family. But if I'm out, you know, I was at the pool a couple of weeks ago, and you know, I had like three people walk up asking which race I'm training for. You know, which races I've done. I'm like, dude, I just want to work out. But yeah, it's cool conversations. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a good time, but we're going to wrap it up. Thank you guys so much. And thanks for at computers for sponsoring the show. Um, if you guys live in Southwest Florida, and need computer repair, give them a call at two, three, nine, two, eight, three, eleven, twenty. And if you don't live near, they can help you remotely by logging in remotely to help you fix your computer, maintain your networks, anything that's technical related. Give them a call at two, three, nine, two, eight, three, or go to act type and cape coral.com. Um, you can find more of our podcast. Uh, we'll say the fail to fail podcast isn't a, 
as of right now, which I'm going to try to change for 2022, it isn't a consistently dumb podcast. I do it when I find interesting people to talk to. And I'll be quite honest with you. 2021, there was a huge gap between shows. But the reason for that is I actually had a huge name from the OCR community book to come on. And the night we were getting ready to do the show, she had a friend got injured, had to take her to the hospital. And then the Spartan elite race season started and she was just super busy. And so I was like tracking her down for, and then I finally just gave up on it, but that's part of the reason. So I've been trying to find some interesting cats to talk to, but my goal for 2022 is to get more podcasts out on the fail to fail, but um, you can find more podcasts on the digital 410 network. We have the what's in your head podcast, the what's the scuttlebutt podcast. And we do have a podcast that I have nothing to do with, which I'm so happy about. If you're into fishing, uh, Mike and Ron host the new tackle your personal best podcast and so now on the digital 410 network we do offer four different podcasts that are available where all podcasts are found robert thank you so much i want to uh you know thank everybody for your support and um we hope to get some more um shows out this year so thank you guys so much and we will talk to you all very very soon this has been a digital 410 production 